Hey, welcome to the first episode of Talk About the Passion. Uh, this first one's just a, a short uh, sort of introduction to uh, my vision and, and sort of a story behind, uh, you know, other uh, music journalism I've uh, done in the past. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, it's about 15 minutes long, and uh, there's going to be many more. Hopefully they'll be uh, a little longer, and uh, yeah, check it out and uh, let me know what you think. Thanks. My first experience doing music journal- journalism, and I use the term journalism very loose, was uh, publishing a fanzine when I was 15 years old called One Step Forward. I was modeling it after fanzine I had just been introduced to, Mike Gitter's Triple X fanzine, Al Quint's Suburban Punk, and then you know the bigger ones like Flipside and, and of course, Maximum Rock and Roll. Um, suburban punk uh, was, was Al Quince that, that later turned into a Suburban Voice. Uh, Al and Mike were new friends of mine, but that's a whole other story. Um, I was going to review records, live shows, and hopefully, you know, interview punk rock bands, and, and if I could, you know, up to this point, the the thought of you know approaching a musician and asking them to talk to a, you know, a fat. 14-year-old kid with a mullet and acne all over his face with a, you know, a denim jacket with fucking, you know, a Def Leppard pin and a Misfits pin was uh, kind of scary and seemed impossible. Uh, my father was, was in the music business, so I did meet famous musicians through that when, when I was real young. Um, you know, musicians I spent hours in my bedroom listening to and looking at pictures were, you know, immortal guys to me, you know, like, uh, you know, Paul Stanley, Jimmy Page, and, and that kind of level of musician. Um, so, but my dad worked at A&M, so I met, you know, Tommy Shaw of Styx, the guys from uh, Pablo Cruz, Super Tramp. I, I met Captain and Tennille, uh, but I but I did also meet the Cramps and the Tubes, so, you know, that was, that was pretty cool. Um, I don't remember much of those, as, you know, because I was seven or eight years old and uh but I, I do remember being at the la forum and kind of walking through this like creepy long hallways and, and going into this room and there was just a bunch of you know 70s presumably coked out people and you know just slapping each other on the, the back or whatever the you know they do backstage at arena shows and uh you know i met tommy shaw I still have I, I still have all these autographs, and the Tommy Shaw one literally says, "From all the boys, Tommy Shaw sticks." Uh, and you know, I was I think I was eight years old. It was on the the Pieces of Eight tour, you know, Renegade and, and all that crap. And uh, I, I think he was probably two inches taller than me. Um, so, but you know, he he's obviously not like a huge household name or anything like that. As I got older, I met. You know, bigger musicians like Getty Lee and Alex Lifeson. I met Robert Plant. Uh, I met most of New Order. Um, and, yeah, you know, I never got used to to meeting people like that. You still get starstruck. Not to the point where I was ever a, uh, 
you know, annoying fanboy or anything like that, but, you know, I did, you know, I met Getty Lee and I, like a fucking nerd, asked him how, hey, how's your fantasy baseball team doing? And, uh, yeah, he was, you know, whatever he, I don't even remember what he said at this point, but, you know, of course, then I was ushered along by his, it was, it was one of those photo op things where you stand in between Getty Lee and Alex Lifeson and someone takes a picture of you and then you go to a website and download the picture I kind of wish I still had that picture because that's uh that's pretty amazing to be standing between those two guys but that's a whole other world to talk about is uh rush we'll, we'll get into that at some point I'm sure um so the, these new punk rock friends I had like uh, Mike Gitter and Al Quint who, who were doing these zines and, and those those guys were smart you know they were a few years older than me and uh they were very good writers and still are and uh but I had asked them, you know, how do I get interviews with people? And they said, just, you know, just ask them. So that's what I did. So uh, the Circle Jerks were going to be playing at the Paradise in Boston on uh, December 29th, 1984. I had just turned 15, I guess, a, a month or so before. And uh, the two openers were from Rhode Island, uh, the Idle Rich and then you know, Verbal Assault, who were a pretty, pretty big band. Uh, that might might have been my first time seeing them. Uh, so me and my my best friend at the time, John Kelleher Jr., out of Lynn, Mass., uh, we brought this little General Electric uh, cassette tape recorder with us on the 442 bus that went from Marblehead to Wonderland. And uh, that, that bus, by the way, was great. It was... Um, that's where I met Chris uh, Jones, uh, Bonesy, who was, who was the, the drummer for the FUs when they were turning into the Straw Dogs. And uh, sadly, he was uh, killed when he was 17. And, uh, you know, he was a great drummer and a great kid. There's two records and uh, I think a compilation track on the um, It's Hard, I think, compilation. I don't know. That uh, you can find his drumming on, but I'm sure they would have uh, been put out some great stuff with him if they had, if he had lived. So that was sad. Uh, John Anastas uh, out of DYS was on that bus sometimes. And, uh, I remember one time giving us him, giving us the lowdown on this new bandy he joined called Slapshot. It was like the, the North shore hardcore gossip bus, you know? Uh, all right, where was I? Oh yeah. The, so the paradise. So at the end of the show, I went to the, uh, if you've ever been to the paradise on the, uh, side of the stage there's a little doorway that goes upstairs and that's where the the backstage area is um so i went to the the side of the stage and caught uh keith morris before he went went into that uh backstage area and asked if he would do a short interview he smiled and shrugged his shoulders and with that you know familiar horse keith morris uh voice he was just like sure give me a, a few minutes and uh you know we we were standing there waiting and waiting and you know, started to think maybe he was just, you know, fucking with us and he wasn't going to come out. And then the bouncers were, you know, you guys have to leave. And, you know, of course, I'm, we're trying to tell the guy, oh, we're, you know, we're here to interview the band. And they're, you know, like going, yeah, okay, yeah, sure you are. And then, you know, the bass player came finally came out and said, oh, these guys are, you know, they're coming backstage with me. So, you know, of course we... I don't think we did that thing like they do in the 80s movies where you, you know, you get past the bouncer with the clipboard, that, you know, and you're like, yeah, I told you, man, fuck you. Um, yeah, so we, we probably just made our way upstairs. And uh, 
so Keith was in there with a, a small group of people, shook our hands, and was, he was pretty friendly. At the time, I was I was pretty new to the, the hardcore scene and punk rock and, and all this sort of underground stuff. So I actually had no idea he was the singer for Black Flag originally. And uh, I, I didn't know much about him aside from, or his, the band, aside from the records I had, which were the first three, the group Sex, Wild in the Streets, and uh, Golden Shower Hits. Uh, he was still and still is, you know, one of the top players in that scene, at least for me, next to, you know, when I think of the, the big names like Rollins, Biafra, Ian, you know, Kevin Seconds, Tesco V, <laughs> those kind of people. Um, so I, I was, you know, I was anxious and nervous talking to him, but, you know, he was, he was pretty cool. And, uh, the whole interview was probably 10 minutes long and they were all basic stuff like, you know, Hey, what are your influence? You know, he, I'm sure he, he was pretty bored for this interview, but you know, it was pretty cool that he, he was nice enough to, to do it. Um, so yeah, we left all excited. We had scored an interview with, you know, a singer of, you know, arguably one of the, the biggest punk bands in America at that point uh we got on the 442 bus decided to take a listen to the tape and you know John hits play on it and this you know this low hiss sound so I'm like hmm what you know what's going on there so he fast forwards a little and then you know still nothing as it turns out nothing got recorded of course because you know why would why would that have recorded the interview um, I, I don't know if we just didn't hit record or maybe we hadn't downloaded the, you know, the newest firmware for the tape recorder in, you know, 1983 or whatever, 84. Um, but our, you know, our young and still, you know, relatively sharp minds decided we remembered enough of what they said and just printed what we remembered. Um, also when I say yes, I'm referring to Keith Morris and either Xander Schloss who, uh, as you might know, is uh, was an actor. He he played Kevin in Repo Man. You know, Otto's a nerdy friend that he pushes into the the cans in the supermarket before he quits, and then you know goes slam dancing behind the warehouse or whatever the, that was. Or uh, Earl Liberty, who was in uh, Saccharin Trust, and, and then played with them briefly. Uh, I never got his name at the show. It was and just credited the bass player. We talked to his Roger Rogerson, who I later learned had left the band before this show. His name was on the on the Wild in the Streets record, so that, that's the one I used. What are you going to do? Um, I went on to interview uh, more great bands. I, I, I interviewed Pete Stahl from Scream, who was was really cool guy. Uh, Kenny from Marginal Man. Uh, Corrosion and Conformity with uh, Brian Walsby in their van right around the anim- Animosity era. Which, in my opinion, is their, their peak era in lineup. You know, I, I like the uh, Deliverance and, the, and that later stuff, uh, but I, th- I personally think they should have changed the name of the band after uh, Animosity or maybe after Blind. I don't know. Um, I became uh, pen pals with Lyle Pressler, who, who had been in Minor Threat earlier. And at the time, he was in the Meat Men. I think he was maybe handling their contact at that point uh, around the War of the Superbikes era. So when I wrote asking for an interview, he obliged. He, we did an interview through the mail that was uh, pretty cool. Uh, I did three uh, issues of this fanzine, and, and I never did a fourth one. I had a fourth one sort of ready, but uh, never finished in that one. Would have had that that Lyle Pressler, Meat Men interview along with uh, 
one I did with Dick, the, the singer of the Subhumans at the Paradise. He was, he was a really nice guy. And then I, I did one with uh, Ray Capo of uh, Youth of Today Behind the Rat that was, uh, I, I wish I still had that that tape, fuck. Um, so so that, that fourth uh, issue never ended up coming out, unfortunately. So, um, but, you know, talking to the musicians at that level of success, you know, not household names, but in my world they are. Um, they're, they're just big names and it's still kind of, you know, like, people I in my world and when I mean my world I mean like you know people that were into punk or hardcore like metal underground metal and that kind of stuff we're all kind of under the same umbrella at this point I think but some you know if you saw like Tesco V at the supermarket you'd you know me I'd shit my pants I'd be like holy shit there's Tesco V in the buying you know fucking noodles over there or whatever um but now, you know, being friends with, with people and bands that are successful in the underground heavy scene, um, it's just like they're just, you know, friends. And I don't think of uh, people in these bands as, you know, I, on pedestals or anything like that. That You know, not that I put like Tesco V or, or uh, Ray Capo or someone like that on a pedestal, but, but they're just bigger names. So... But the people I know, maybe just because they're friends of mine, um, they're not, you know, it's just, hey, that's, you know, so-and-so, and he happens to play in front of, you know, a thousand people and, and that kind of thing. So, and and those are the kind of people I, I hope to get on here. Um, you know, and the, most of my friends like that are all humble, down-to-earth people. You know, if they wouldn't, I, I wouldn't associate with them, you know, who wants to hang out with douchebags. Um, so, you know, guys like that, that are, you know, passionate about what they do and, and how they got there and, you know, maybe what they were into early on, who knows, you know, with, with, I feel like uh, some of the podcasts I listen to, the early episodes start is, is with one sort of uh, vision and then it changes at some point. So who knows, maybe this will go somewhere else. And I don't want to specifically keep it music and, uh, or creative or people that are necessarily creative types so if I have friends or or people I know that I can get in touch with that are writers or comedians or just fans of anything or it it would be great to have them on here to have a a conversation with um so yeah that that's that kind of concludes this you know brief uh it's sort of like an intro to this thing and uh, I'd love to hear feedback on the podcast. Uh, there should be links in the description on where you can do that uh, or, you know, contact me if you think you'd like to be on here. Uh, you know, definitely get in touch with me and, uh, you know, I can come to you. I, I live in uh, New England, so um, I, I, can all, I can come to you or you can come to me to my little uh, cottage by the lake and, and chat here. I have equipment and stuff uh, that I bought to do this and uh yeah hopefully with uh the help of some people we can we can have some cool conversations people can listen to and uh go from there cool thanks for listening and uh check back soon later